Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, this is the night we've been waiting on. Absolutely. <laughs> this, is the, this is the person that I went after, and she agreed to come on the show. It's going to be powerful tonight. It's going to be a powerful show. And I think, you know what, Brian, I think this show is even going to surprise our guest tonight. I I think so. I think so. I I think we're going to say some things, and she's going to say some things, and when she listens back to this thing, she's like, wait a minute, did I say that? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I think so. Yes. You know, Greg. mm -hmm, Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just left an Astrodome training course that I teach, and you, you and I both, we do this. And the girls, when I told them who we were having on, they were so excited. They went online and they looked. They was looking at her and they said, "Oh, she's so pretty, this and that." And she and this one girl can sing, and she was talking about Keisha Cole and all these things. And then I had to tell her, "Well, you can't get where these people are if you don't make quality choices and decisions." Absolutely. So, yes. Yes. And they were shocked. They're like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "Well, I'm sure our guests." As, uh, along with the others, they had to be persistent in their dreams and their goals. They had to sacrifice a lot. It's a lot of things that they gave up to have what they have. And, Brian, that's what our, a lot of our youth don't understand. Yes. You know, Greg, I was uh, actually doing a combination HIV abstinence class on yesterday evening, and I was talking to a bunch of college freshmen. And, you know, most of them have had already experienced, you know, sex. And, you know, where you're talking to them, they're saying, oh, man, it's too late. I, I, how can I be abstinent if I've already had sex? And, you know, so I started teaching them about the reasons why and so forth. And we got on on the topic of, you know, had they ever been tested, you know. And, you know, when I asked them, I said, well, if you've never been tested, how do you know what your status is? And I and when I thought about the topic of the show and who we have coming on the show, I thought about the fact that, you know, she knows her status in life now because she's been through a test. She's right. been tested. And so without any further ado, I want to just introduce her, you know, the way that I like introducing people. <laughs> okay, <laughs> All right, tonight's ahead. show is called The Eagle Within, and we have our very special guest, singer and model, Barbara Evans. She's the youngest of 11 children. She's born in in Jersey City, New Jersey, and educated in North Florida. She immigrated to Europe for a number of years, and it sculpted her character and spawned a twist of diversity in her music. Her songs are true to the heart about life, love, angst, fears, insecurities, and pain. Mm. Wow. That's it. That's powerful right there, Brian. That is, wow. You know, when you think about that, you can't sing about things you've never experienced. That's right. You know, and that's, that's right. people will know right away when if you start singing about something and you don't know anything about it, you start talking about something you don't know anything about it, people who have been through that, mm-hmm. people who have experienced that, they'll say, hm, not authentic. But you know what? Not I, authentic. I, I had someone email me today. Because when we put the bulletins out there, and they went to her website, and I and they called me, and they said, oh, okay, you're having Ms. Evans on your show? Yeah, yeah. And I said, did you go to her website? She said, yes. I said, well, did you listen to some of her music? Yes, but there's this one particular song that opened old wounds. I said, uh-oh. <laughs> it opened old wounds, and it sounds like that that person is dealing with the the fact that they can't forgive is something that they they went through is some type of pain that they went through and they can't forgive, but if you listen to Barbara's music, Brian, I tell you it is absolutely soothing to the soul. It is, it really is, and I like the fact that she's been to Europe. You can hear that, and when I talked to her today, I could hear that. You could hear that accent a little bit. So, mm-hmm. Brian, go ahead and bring her in. I'm, I'm tired of talking about. It. I want to talk to her now. All right. Ms. Evans, are you there? Yes, I sure am. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, Brian. Thank you so much. Good evening, Greg. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. 
And you you were hearing us dialogue and talking about you and your music and the, the yeah you had me back here smiling and I was just oh, oh. <laughs> you already put me in a really good mood already this evening good 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 and you know what uh, I listen to some of your music and you can hear pain you can hear stuff and you can also hear joy in your music yeah. it, it is it is it just something about music that makes you wanna you know, you've been through hurt, and you want to just tell the world that you can get over that pain. Is that something that you felt when you were writing your music? Yes, absolutely. In fact, a lot of times, I mean, first of all, I have to say how important music is for me. Music is almost like a part of my soul, and and it feeds it feeds my soul. And um, whenever I'm in a good mood, I listen to music. I'm in a bad mood, I listen to music. It is, music is just, I, I don't even really know. It's so many things for me. And it's almost like getting up in the, in the morning and brushing my teeth. I, it's like every day I have to listen to it. It's like a spiritual feeding for my, for my soul. And a lot of times when I sit and I write down uh, the lyrics to songs, yes, I do base it off. A lot of times off of experiences that I that I've had, and many times it's almost therapeutic. Mm. And so um, it helps me get through a lot a lot of things. And sometimes instead of getting like if I'm if someone gets me angry or or if I can't really do anything about, it, I'm not really a violent person, and I'm not the type of person that I go straight to the person and say, oh well, you just oh it got me angry. I just sit down and I write a song about it, and I just feel really good. I feel a lot better. About it, so yes, I write songs about, and there's so many songs that I haven't even recorded yet that wow. that delve even deeper, that delve even deeper because the songs that you've heard on my website, some of them are the dance songs that I've done in in Europe, but a lot of them, and some of them are songs that my personal, where I just pull my my my, my pour out my emotions, but a lot of a lot of them that I'm writing right now, I've even delved deeper. Awesome, awesome. You know, I'm, I'm I'm actually reading most of the lyrics from your songs <laughs> mm. <laughs> because I'm I actually I used to be uh, in the music industry and I used to be a songwriter and a singer, oh. and so I like the song "Lies, Lies, Lies" for some reason that just that just got me. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You know, I, so I, I, you say I, I, that I like you basic. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just saying I like to kind of tell the story sometimes when I'm writing and um that 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 song lies particularly I I kind of kind of tell these stories about individuals individual people. Mm-hmm. And and see the one thing that I've that I've learned when I was writing music is that you can use music as a release. You know you can use music to sort of combat those things that are eating you alive or that are bothering you. Do you find yourself doing that a lot? Like when you're... I do that. Some, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I do that all the time. <laughs> like, for example, I wrote this song called uh, The Game because I was in this relationship with an Italian. In fact, I, live in Italy, I lived in Italy for uh, uh, quite a few years. And um, I was with this guy and um, he broke my heart, basically. Just it just broke my heart, and he probably didn't mean to do it because he's a sweet person, but I guess we didn't want the same things, and and I wrote a song about it, and I, after that, I just felt better. I just really got over the whole situation, but that song is called The Game. It just That's a real true story right there. I really hurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's good to know that you were able to get over that, and you can laugh about it now. Yeah. You have a lot of women that have gone through heartache and pain, and they haven't released that thing yet. They're still holding on to it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, how how were you able to get over it? Was music your way out of it, or, or do you have that mindset that my dreams and goals are bigger than what you're trying to do to me? A lot of times, well, I, I'm, I'm learning right now myself, actually, and I remember there was one time I didn't want, I didn't want, I didn't want to let go, and I just kept hurting myself emo- emotionally, and I finally got over it by saying, look, I'm an important person. I'm full of resources. I'm very smart. I'm intelligent. I have a lot to offer. I have a lot to do that I want to do in this life, in this, in this world, and I have a lot to give. 
And there's no time to waste by sitting and, this is what I was telling myself, uh, there's no time to waste by just sitting and, and making myself even more miserable because that's not going to help me. And it, and it was so hard to stop. It was just really so hard to stop. And um, I just basically got over it by saying, listen, you're a valuable person there. You really do have a lot to offer. Maybe this is a certain situation that's just going to make you stronger whenever you get through it in, in life. It'll help you even, even more as you go along in life. But there's certain situations where I feel that I was kind of tested, and that's what made me stronger and um, kind of made me the person that I am today. Awesome, awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, a lot of our listeners and a lot of people in general have gone through things in their, you know, in their youth that they tend to bring into their adult life, and they haven't gotten over it, you know. What were some of the things that, you know, and you don't have to talk specifically about them, but what were some of the things that you had to deal with in your youth that, you know, that when you became an adult you have to face? What type of, you know, did you have any demons that you had to face? Well, I believe we all have a demon or two, but uh, I remember something that um, really kind of got on my nerves as a, as a child because coming from a big family, I have uh, five brothers and five sisters, and everybody else used to get all the attention, especially the girls, really just young and cute in high school and middle school, just cute girls, and I was kind of like the tomboy of the um, of the family, so I didn't really get any much attention, and I was really good at, uh, athlete. I played basketball and track and everything, so I had this athletic build, so I wasn't really feminine at all, so what kind of stuck with me until today, it doesn't really bother me because I kind of look back and smile because it, that made me the person I am today, too. I suffered and I thought about uh, how I can get through it and how I did and how I conquered it. And um, But that was something that I, I brought with me as a, brought, that was brought up with me as an adult. Like, I really wasn't getting much attention. And I, that kind of sparked some, spurred up some um, insecurity. And within myself, so that that kind of and it didn't help much when I started modeling either, <laughs> because oh. when I started, oh my gosh, the girls were already so insecure already. So already from me coming from six girls and being a tomboy of six girls, didn't wear any lipstick, didn't do my hair right, and just had braids and it looked like a boy. <laughs> so that kind of that kind of stuck with me as a. In, in my in my adulthood, and now when I go home and I see my sisters, they say, "Oh, you remember that time? You remember, look at these pictures. They show pictures. They take out the old pictures and show me my basketball pictures when I was in ROTC. I was very, very, very tomboyish. So um, that that that's one of the things. Good. You know, I, I wanted to ask you about uh, your your mental toughness. It sounds like you're mentally fit right now, but. When you got into the music industry and you got into the modeling industry, you had to have this boldness about you. And I know that obstacles came at you and you wanted to give up and you wanted to, you probably broke down and cried, but what was it that made you stay focused and say, you know what, I want to give up, but I can't? I believe, well, I can start off with the modeling business, the, um, with the modeling business, it's it, it, unfortunately it's it's based on physical beauty, and at the beginning, they were telling me that you're not absolutely physically beautiful, so we can't take you at this time. They shut the door in my face. Wow. And yes, of course I broke down and I cried because I was like, what? You know, I I, well, I just came from this tomboy thing and I lost the weight and I'm wearing lipstick now, and now you're going to shut the door. But the, uh, it, was, it was kind of hard to deal with. Whenever somebody comes to straight to you and say, hey, look, you're not uh, physically beautiful enough. Little did I know that it was, it was just a business back then. I took it kind of personally, but that broke me down, and that really made me even more insecure. Mm. So I didn't really fall into depressions or anything like that, but that really did, really did get me down. And as far as the music industry right now, I still have doors closed in my face. I still break down and cry and say, why? 
do I have to be the daughter of uh, Quincy Jones to, to get my foot in the door? <laughs> I mean, the song that I'm writing here just sounds just as good as so and so song, and so what is it? So the doors are constantly being closed, but I, the reason why I'm not stopping is because I know by being determined and just pushing it and pushing it and pushing it just like a train, no matter what happens, sad, um, sadness, happiness, whatever, just keep, just have that train keep going. And I'm like, just as long as you could keep going and just as long as um, you're convinced of what you're doing, then I believe that, that the door will eventually be broken in. Awesome. Does that answer your question? I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm going to break in before Greg says it because he always gets to say it before I do. <laughs> what? What is that? The door that closed, in that they, when they close that door in your face, what most people don't realize is that if there's a door closed, you still have you have to have a way to get out of that place, right? Mm-hmm. So that means something's open for you. Yep, I knew you were going to say that, um, <laughs> but I didn't want to say it before you did, before you did, Brian. So, but yeah, in fact, that's one of the things that keep me going because that, if a, if a door is closed in my face, in my face, I know that there's going to be another door that's opening. You know, by living in Italy for so many years, I've learned expressions in Italian, and what they say, si chiude una porta, si apre una finestra. And that means a door closes and a window opens. So I kind of kept that in mind, too. In fact, I'm a firm believer that if somebody closes the door in your face, that doesn't mean that, that it means, it probably means that they don't want to go through that door, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to have another opportunity. And a lot of times, the opportunities that, that come to me, come to me thanks, thankfully because that door closed and because I went to the other, to the other door. You know? yeah. so a, lot of people, a lot of people feel that if a door closes, then that's it. But thank goodness that door closed because I got a better opportunity out here. So. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the music industry because, you know, being that I used to be in the music industry, I know how tough it is. And you're absolutely right. You can have the best sounding song, the best rhythm, the best tunes. It's not about how well you can sing. It's whether the person that's in charge at the time thinks that they can make money off of what you have. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better. You know, and so, and you had already said it earlier that, you know, that you went through some times where people close the door in your face and, you know, and... They look at you and they say, well, let's see, hmm, she's a model, but, you know, and I'm just going to say this, I don't think they actually said this, but, you know, yeah. she's a model, but, you know, she she used to look like a boy, so somebody might find those old pictures and use them against her, so yeah. that's not marketable. Exactly. You Unfortunately, they do things like that. You know, and so mm-hmm. I, asked, I say that to ask this question, you know, what was your initial reaction you know, the first time you were told, yep, you're not good enough. I cried. <laughs> I did. Right today, I don't take it personally. But back then, I cried. I felt like I wasn't worth anything, especially when you you call yourself being a model and you see other girls over there in the corner that they do think that are beautiful, and they come to you and they just blatantly out and say, no, you're not, you're not good enough. Or you're too fat, or your eyes are too close together, your 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 hair's not long enough, or your skin is too dark, or your skin is too light. <laughs> we have all different types of, you know. There was one time I did a really really serious diet because I, unfortunately I never really took modeling so seriously. I never really took it seriously. I was always the biggest model, the biggest one. I say the biggest hips or the biggest thighs. But there was one time I got down. I said I'm gonna lose all the weight, and then I can have an excuse. Nobody's gonna have an excuse for me. Got down, I think I lost like 15 pounds, and this was over in Europe, and I went to this agency, and they said, oh, you're too short. I was like, wow. I, was, I was about to fall to my knees right there, but I said, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to walk out this door, and then I'll hold them. <laughs> <laughs> but um, this is very, very, uh, unfortunately, it's, it's, um, this is what a lot of times you have to go through. A lot of, they call uh, trials and tribulations in hell and high waters to, um, to get where, where where you are today and basically that's 
that's where I am today because a lot of people, they do look at my pictures and say, oh, my gosh, you're so beautiful and this and that and blah, blah, blah. But they don't know about the times that they, the people closed the door in my face and when I cried, when I was a little depressed because they made me feel like I, was, I wasn't good enough. I wasn't secure. Hmm. But you know what? And now when you walk out on stage to perform, when I talked with you the other night, I think you were, you, you told me I'm just about to go on stage. Yes, but I now when you walk out on that stage, yes. do you ever look back and, 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 and think about for a split second all those doors being closed, but look at me now? You know, I'd be lying if I said I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really be lying, but I, some, I don't really dwell on it. You know, I don't really say, okay, I'm going to show you all now. But I say, well, look, listen, all those times when they said no to me and all those times when they closed the door in my face, I kept that train going. I just kept just going, just chicka, 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 chicka. Another door closed and boom, and chicka, 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 just break that thing. Keep on going, keep on going. And then here I am, people are calling me to go sing for them or uh, record with them or take pictures for them and, or, or, or maybe even interviews like today, and I'm very happy to be here. You know, and I believe that just keeping up that determination, and I know it's it's not really easy because people, maybe somebody's out there listening and they say, well, listen, you know, I, these people are really nice, and it's really easy for them to talk about how you keep determined and be determined and everything like that, but they don't know my situation. Mm. I believe I believe that every situation is different. That's true, but I also believe that there's a, a basis of um, just one thing I, I said to someone. Uh, the problem that we're having, or the problem that I get to, let's talk about me. The problem that I'm having, if I run into a really bad problem, the problem that I'm having is never going to be more than I let be. Yes. Awesome. Exactly. Awesome. If I sit there and I say, I have a problem, and and I say it again, I keep saying it, and I keep saying, well, it's going to get worse. But I know that this problem exists, and I'm going to get through it. The problem is never more than what I let it be, whether it be a, a, a sadness or whether it be someone betrayed me or whether it be um, uh, any type of sad thing that goes on in, in, even in your family or death or whatever, whatever it is. But if you feel that you can't get over it, then you won't. If you feel that you can get over it, then you will. And, it, and, and, and it's amazing what our spirit and our, what our brain is capable of doing and is capable of making things happen. Wow. And that's, that, that's just a message there. I just want to, whoever's listening, <laughs> if they could just think about that because it'll never, it'll never ever be as bad as we let it be. Mm. What do you guys think about that? Awesome. I love oh, that. I love that. I'm, I love yeah, that. I'm writing it down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to write it down myself. <laughs> you, you know, I'll copyright it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to ask you this question because, you know, I'm I'm going through some of your photos on your website. And, by the way, her website is www.barbaraevans.com. Check it out. Listen to her music. You know, Check I also have videos. a MySpace, too. She's got a MySpace page. Yeah. Oh, and the MySpace page is, let me give you that right www.myspace.com forward slash The Real Barbara Evans. The Real Barbara Evans. All right. Yeah, and I have to I have to underline something. It's not because I think I'm, ooh, wow, I'm because I'm famous or whatever. It's not that. It's because somebody else had Barbara Evans on MySpace, so I had to change it up. Yeah. <laughs> So I ended up with the real Barbara Evans, but that, that's a cool name anyway. Oh, yeah. So I'm sorry, Brian, you were saying something? No, I was going to ask you, um, when you, and, and I'm going to ask you this, and I'm going to ask you another question. What was, what was your experience when you first did your first, when you did your first professional singing gig? Oh, my gosh. I was, I knew I could do it, but I was so nervous, and my hands were so shaking and and and, and, and um, sweaty and so you know over in Europe they have a glass of wine have uh, they like the big wine drinkers 
such as, oh, maybe I should just drink a half a glass of wine or something like that. Maybe I just settle down. I have to drink a half a, half a glass of wine to relax a little bit because my hands are shaking. I would put the microphone in my hand, and my microphone would be shaking. Go back to me like this. I can't go and say like this. You know, so I said, oh, let me drink just a, uh, a, a little bit of um, wine that here the families are here uh, are having, and I just relaxed a little bit. But after that time there, I said, listen, I don't even need to drink wine. I'm just going to get, I'm going to control myself. And I knew I can do that. I am not going to go on that stage shaking or anything because I know I'm capable of doing it. And the next time I tell you, the next time I went out there, my heart, my heart was beating really fast. But then as soon as I got on that stage, it seemed like, whoosh, I just started singing and it was just beautiful. But I, I got over it. It was really, really nice. Very nice. But that first time I was like, oh my gosh. But I know I know I could I wasn't afraid of the fact that I couldn't do it. I was a, I was a little bit like, Oh my gosh, I'm finally on the stage here and all these people just looking right at me and ah gosh, I just had to get over that. And and that was really emotional for me. So that that was my first time. Yeah, Brian asked you that about going on the stage. My thing mm-hmm. is what were your thoughts when you walked off of the stage? Oh, when I walked off the stage. I felt like I got an A plus. <laughs> you know, when you take a test in school. Yeah, you felt like there was nothing you couldn't do, right? Oh, oh, I felt like just just like you say, um, the eagle within. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what, and that's what happened. I started flying. Yeah, so it, it was so at, nice. Yes, I'm looking at your picture with you and Mariah Carey. Oh yeah, she came. <laughs> she came to Italy. Um, I believe that was in 2000. Mm-hmm. in the year of 2000, and um, I got that job because I was just getting into the singing because I modeled up until like 1998, uh, seriously, like only modeling, but then I said, hmm, I think I could do other things too, so that's when I started singing and everything, and so she needed um, a choir to back her up for, I believe it was a song, uh, Make It Happen, I think it was Make It Happen, and she wanted a black uh, a, a, a choir in Italy, so they were calling all types of vocalists from all over Italy, and they didn't even have enough. In fact, they, they called like 10 of us that really sing, and then the rest of them, they just kind of filled it up and kind of sing a little bit. So I went, and um, it was hard to kind of meet her because she wasn't even doing rehearsals or anything. She had like a stand-in. The first time I saw Mariah, I was on stage. They started the music and everything. The, the, the audience was clapping their hands and everything. So I was like, well, Mariah Carey. And Mariah walks out. And then that was like the first time I saw Mariah when, when I was on stage with her. So I, that, was, that was really exciting right there. Then after that, I took that picture at the um, after party. She had an after party uh, signing uh, press conference type uh, get-together. And that's when I got to uh, speak to her. And, uh, and you know what she asked me? What's that? Well, first she asked me where I was from, and you know, because all over in Europe and everything like that. And I said, well, I'm from, from, from Florida, from born in Jersey. And then she said, well, how did you get this job? And I said, you called us, don't you, man? <laughs> yeah. You called us, Philly Rabbit. Come on now. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was that was that was very very exciting to meet Mariah. She's really really nice to me. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I, I tell you what. And I'm so glad that you're talking about the struggles of doors being closed in your face because I have a, a ton of uh, teenagers right now that's listening in, and they really needed to hear that, that, you know, that they can do what they set their minds to do if they persevere and, and stay with it and stay focused and stay committed. And I'm sure that that's something that you had to do. And the reason I'm saying that is I'm sure you had to sacrifice some things to get where exactly. you are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how was that for you? Well, the, first of all, I had to leave my family uh, in America, and I went to Europe. So that, first of all, for me, was kind of like, that was a big a big uh, sacrifice for me, being the youngest of 11 children. So that was one thing. And then another thing is I went over to foreign countries, and I had to sacrifice my own language because I didn't speak English over there because in Italy not many people speak English so that was another sacrifice for me and just kind of living abroad it was it's beautiful over there but it was it was it wasn't really that easy and plus being African American over in Europe they 
they seem to like African Americans. They love Americans anyway, but African Americans. But some weren't really crazy about uh, black folk. So, wow. so um, no, no, it wasn't. I wasn't. They weren't really crazy. I was dating this one uh, guy, and um, he didn't tell his mom. He told the mom that I was American, and that's all he told her. So when she walked in the uh, kitchen, she almost fell out. Wow. And said that I want her out of my house. And right then and there, I was about to take the plane to come back to America. I said, no, I'm not going back to America because someone is, uh, had someone else have a problem. You know, so that was, those are some things that you go through in them. I, I remember those clearly. Wow. Those, those situations clearly. But the men, the men love the black women over there, right? Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. In all the, 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 it seems like the darker you are, the more they like you. You know what? That's so funny that black women can go anywhere in the world, mm-hmm. and everybody loves them. Oh, yeah. And, and, my, and I repeat. Yeah. It is. It's absolutely amazing. Do you, do you, did you have better chances of at success over there in their country than you did here? Well, let's just say there's more competition here because a lot of people, a lot of women look like me. And it's yeah. like that there's a, there's a lot of um, African-Americans here because they're in America, and over there, they're, they're less. Yes. So that was smart. It's easier. I think that was smart. That was yeah. a smart move by you. That was smart. Yeah, it's, it was, it's, uh, it was um, less competition over there, but still, it's still a struggle, too. But um, I haven't I haven't closed my door to Europe. In fact, I hopefully I'll be able to go back this summer and uh, and do some more work there. But it was just time to come home and be close to my family and be with people that speak my own language. Yeah. Even even though even though I speak fluent Italian, but um, it was it was it was time time to come back. I, I remember you you were saying something about um about the struggles and and yeah. how the young kids watch these maybe the videos and they see all these. I mean, I'm kind of changing the subject, but this is it just popped into my head just now, and then we can go back to this. But um, right how they see, how, yeah, how they see all these images of these uh, beautiful girls and the you know, rappers with the cars and the chains and those beautiful houses and everything like that. Do you all know that after they film that video, they have to take that car back to the rental car? And do you know that those houses that they film those videos in, the the most of the time they belong to millionaires and not to the rapper. Oh yeah. Or not to the girls or anything. And yeah, everything I knew is that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh I know you all know that. But I was talking to the to the audience. I don't know if they know that. Because even my nieces and nephews they say, Oh, look at that and look at the video, look at the look at the car and then in the house. And that's what I want to be. I want to be like that. I want to borrow this and that. I was like, Okay, if you want to be like that, first of all, you have to work for you have to work for it. It's just not going to come. And nobody has a genie that, that I know of. I've never met anybody personally that has a genie that can cross their arms and uh, nod their head and let it happen like that. So I just thought I would um, get that across too. That's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I when I was thinking about what you were talking about, my mm-hmm. daughters like to watch America's Next Top Model. Oh, and, I like to watch that too. <laughs> and. You know, and I watch it, of course, because I, I like to make sure that, you know, certain things on there I don't like to let them see, you know, because they're still young and, you know. But when they're watching it, they'll always say, well, this person, oh, she's too this, she's too that. And, you know, one of the dangers of, you know, when when young girls see those models and, you know, they see the, the body types that they have. Like my daughters, they love Takara. Because they say, well, Takara, she was a full-figured model. You know, she didn't have to sacrifice her. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, I remember her, yes. Mm -hmm. Now, and and I'm saying that to say, did you feel like as a model that you had to conform to, you know, that you almost had to sacrifice yourself in order to be in the industry? Because, you know, because when I've talked, because we've talked to, uh, to, models on our show before and we've heard them talk about like uh, eating disorders that you know a lot of the subculture that's 
beneath the modeling industry is eating disorders and they're trying to stay too thin or they're doing certain things so they they won't have a certain amount of body fat. Did you see yourself where you felt like that was something that you had to do in order to stay competitive? Um, I felt that it, that it would it was something that that I had to do, but it was something that I never did <laughs> because um, I saw with my own eyes certain girls that were like skin and bones. There was one girl that was like anorexic. We did a show together, and you had to get change your clothes and just be in your underwear and put the dress on really fast. And and there was this one girl. In fact, I, I knew her. Uh, uh, she was just skin and bones. And um, there was another girl that before the show, she didn't want to eat anything. And I didn't know that she was trying to starve herself so she could be skinny and everything. She went up and down the runway. When she came back, she fainted on the stage. And um, that was one thing that I always preferred. I always preferred to eat and maybe work out a lot in the gym. But I always promised myself that I would never starve myself thin like that. Not even for money, because if you if your health isn't good, what good is the money? None. It's no good. <laughs> it's no good. That's right. You know, and my mother, uh, my mother works in a hospital, and for <laughs> years she worked on the floor with people that had eating disorders, and so I got to see firsthand when I would visit her job, some of these people, and and you know some of them were models, and some of them were just normal people who thought that they were too big, and I mean. You know, there were literally people who were 85 pounds, and they were adults. You know, six foot, you know, tall women that were 85 pounds that said, "I'm too fat." Oh wow! You know, so I mean, and it and it and it really looked scary. And so when I thought about the model subculture, you know, it's really scary that you don't have to be that competitive. And you know, quite frankly, when I see, like, when I look at your pictures, you don't look like the, you know the typical, you know, rail-thin model. You know, you don't fit that mold. No, no. You know, and so that's why I asked the question, you know, did you have did you have that where people would say, oh, you're too big, oh, you're too big, oh, you're too big? Yeah, that would happen a lot. There was one uh, de- designer that really liked me the way I was, and I the only thing that I had to lose right then was maybe four or five pounds, but that was it. But he liked the voluptuous, uh, well, you all remember Versace, Mm-hmm. Sasha, yeah, and he liked the way I looked, and I was just so happy because I said, you see, he's one of the biggest designers ever in Italy, and he likes voluptuous women, so he kind of changed the 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 the, 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 the mold of mm-hmm. how the model was supposed to look. But then still, there was there were always girls that were starving themselves. They only ate an apple and a yogurt all day. Wow. And um and I and I believe I believe it's kind of a, a psychological thing going on there too, you know. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. I tell you yeah. what, um, um I want to talk with you about some of the things that you're doing. I want to promote as much as I can you. I want people to know um where you are and what you have going and how to get your CDs and how to follow you and watch you on television and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the first thing that I'm doing right now is um, as soon as I came back from Europe, I established a, an, an agency of vocalists, and I basically work with DJs and producers from Europe. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was living over there, there weren't many American singers over there. There was like six, maybe seven, six, six maybe in the whole of Italy that, that move around and do professional jobs all the time. Maybe there's five now because I came back here. But... Um, so I set up an agency, a virtual agency on the Internet where the, the DJs and producers can um, work with American singers that are here in America, all over the world, of course, because I have a singer in London, a singer in Australia, and, but they're all on my website. And this website is called Cool Live, which is www.cool-live.com. And um, they're, they're, it's a service that we give to these DJs and producers and it's very convenient. So instead of flying a singer over there or just having five singers in, in Italy, they can have an abundance of singers by looking at my website and they pick the singer that they want and we record it here in Miami or if the singer's in London, she'll record it there and we'll upload the uh, the, the, the vocals. Because I'm getting into the business side of, of, of 
of music right now. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, and maybe we'll have Brian singing for us too, huh? Yeah. Hey, don't, don't make me break in the song. I already told Greg I was going to see if you if you would Mama, sing on the show, and you did, so please. that was great. Mama, oh, please don't bring that up. <laughs> oh, yeah, you don't, you don't want him to sing us a note, no? <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll get back out there and do it again. <laughs> so, so I have Cool Life, and also they can catch me on uh, MySpace, which is www.myspace.com forward slash the real Barbara Evans. And that's usually updated weekly because they, I can just upload the videos and everything is, is, is updated um, more often on MySpace. And then I have my website, which is www.barbaraevans.com. And I'm producing, uh, co-producing dance music for Europe for the moment. In fact, they, we just had the Winter Music Conference here in Miami Beach last week. And one of the songs that I wrote and one of my singers sang, one of the, the, the songs was featured at the Winter Music Conference where Everybody that's in the dance music, club music, or whatever, house, techno, everybody, the whole world came to Miami Beach last week, and so everybody got to hear the song that I wrote, and I'm glad I wrote that. (laughs) And um, also, right now, I'm writing some, I I guess I can call them R&B tunes, because I'm being influenced by the R&B, but I'm not an R&B singer, per se, like Beyonce, and they do all those vocal Things with their voices. I, I I don't do all that. I just sing the song. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, I did. I just sing the song. I don't do that. Hey, 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 hey. I don't do all that. I just get and I sing my song, and and uh, so I'm having my um my R&B songs uh, co-produced by two different producers. One is called Psycho Productions, uh, A.K.A. Track a Minute up from New Jersey, and a producer from Sicily. In Italy, his name is Nutkey, Nutkey Productions. So, together with those producers there, you all will be hearing some really new music up on my MySpace and on my website. So, you'll be over here in a different side of Barbara. Awesome. We're looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my questions, uh, it was part of the question I asked you about um, being in the music industry and, you know, singing that first time. You know, my second question was going to be how did it? How does it feel when you, you know, when you look back over your life and you and you look back from when you, you know, where you came and how you came up? Did you ever think, at any given time, that you'd be standing next to Luciano Pavarotti? Oh, that was a beautiful experience right there, Luciano Pavarotti, and he was so, he was he was so. Surprised that he saw a black girl over in Italy speaking fluent Italian to him, <laughs> so that he he just he was just ecstatic. But um, yeah, I knew that one day I was going to be standing next to some important people, and I there's just something that I've just had my mind and my heart since I was like two. That oh, I want to get into the, the music business or the show business, and um, I've known it for forever, and and every year that passes by, I'm just you're closer to it, you know, and um, I've never had any doubts, never, and I'll take it back to when I was going to church with my family, uh, we had the, the choir leader, he said, um, he asked everybody if anybody wanted to lead a song, and here we are, 11 kids up in the choir, we, we made up most of the choir, actually, and there were kids from, yeah, oh my gosh, but everybody was so shy, nobody wanted to sing, and there were like other four or five kids from the other families than, than us, so... He says, does anybody, does anybody want to lead a song? He's looking around, looking around here, and I stick my little finger up. And I say, I do. And my heart was just beating out of my shirt. I just remember that. But, and from that moment there, I knew that I wanted to perform in front of people. I knew it. <laughs> then I've always been the clown of the family. So whenever everybody wanted to laugh, they just put Barbara up in front of the – whenever the TV wasn't working, they just put Barbara up there, and I'd just be a clown. I'd just love to make, make everybody laugh. And But from that moment right there, I knew – that it's almost like I like that adrenaline, you know, the adrenaline of of getting over being nervous. Yeah. Because I know it's controllable. It's controllable. We can control anything that we want to do with ourselves. And that's, you know, what's so important about what you're saying. It, it is so important that 
we face our fears. We just did a couple of shows for the last two weeks on facing our fears so that we can take our lives back and be who God created us to be. And it sounds exactly like that's what you've done. And I I really believe that when you're able to step up and face your fears, it's almost like a sneak peek into what your future can be. Is that what how you felt? Oh, I agree. Absolutely. I agree absolutely. Exactly. Because um if you don't face your fears, then you're going to be limited and you're going to be you're going to be in a box. So if you do face your fears, you can break break down any barrier. Break down any barrier because I think fear is one of the one of the worst emotions ever. Yeah. And sometimes I feel fearful of some things of, of maybe not you know, looking good on the stage or let me check myself. But sometimes I'm I'm still learning myself actually and I'm still growing. But as far as uh, being afraid of not doing not being able to do something, oh no no that that fear has to come out of there. No 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 because I know I can do it. Awesome. You know, oh, yeah. I, in a sense I agree with you, but I like the fact that you can fear something because once you once you overcome that fear you have mm-hmm. that feeling of accomplishment i yeah. did it yeah you know yeah. I, I think about like my young daughter she's eight years old and mm-hmm. she is afraid of bugs she does she she could see the smallest little spider and a matter of fact i was telling her to take a bath earlier and she said well there's a spider in the tub <laughs> and i said well just rinse the water on it. But I'm afraid of spiders. Yeah. I said, yes, but you're like a thousand times bigger than that spider. What can he yeah. do to you? She said, well, he could crawl on me. I said, you could smash no. it. You know? And I was going to go and help her, of course, but I wanted to see what she would do. You know, because yeah. normally she would not even think about going in there. She's, I'm not going in the bathroom. She'll turn the light off, close the door, and run. Mm-hmm. She went right in there. And she smashed that bug and rinsed mm-hmm. it down this drain. And, you know, and she didn't say anything else about it. Well, and I was thinking, wow, she's overcome that fear. Yeah, yeah. I agree with, I agree with you, Brian. In, in fact, I was just saying that um, uh, it's almost like an adrenaline. Mm-hmm. You know, like that first time, I was afraid that first time of singing church, but it's like an adrenaline, uh, an adrenaline that I just wanted to get over because so, I knew that I can do it. And I didn't have to be afraid to sing in front of everybody. And I believe it's like it's 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 a growth process too because we may get over one fear, and then by growing in the next week or the next year or whatever, there may be another fear that could pop up. But I think it's it's good to 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 get over each fear with each uh, situation. Yeah. You know? It's like but building. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's almost like building your faith. It's like building your faith. Um, yeah. Kind of. Yeah, but I agree with Brian. It is good to it is good to have. I think it's also good to whenever you do have a fear, you get over that one. And then you something else pops up, pops up, then you get over that one. And something else pops up, you get over that one. What what is, what would be a little nerve wracking is that if you're just afraid all the time and you can't do anything. Right. I think staying in that spot is what yeah, really that's you know, it. limits us and destroys us. You know, when we when we when we face that fear, because there's always going to be something that that you know, that we don't know about, and and it's that that you know dealing with the unknown that generates that fear. I don't know what that is. Exactly. Can it do this to me? Is it going to feel good, bad? Is it hot? Mm-hmm. Is it cold? I don't know. So I think that's where fear becomes healthy because once we begin to say, I'm going to experience that emotion, mm-hmm. that you know situation and then when I overcome it I'll be a better person I'll have that knowledge of it so now I won't have to fear it yeah I agree I agree because I believe that in life as we go ahead in life and as we grow there's going to always be something that we don't know about and it's it's the unknown that you that like what you were just saying Mm -hmm. and so to get through it that's what we have to do and you know what, you you're setting um, a valuable example for uh, again for the kids that I know that I have that are out there listening. I know that we're going to discuss it next week when I go back out. 
um, and teach the class. I, I I know exactly. This. I know that they're writing all this information down, and they're probably afraid to call in and talk with you. Probably mm-hmm. a little bit intimidated, but I, I know they know all about Barbara Evans. I know that. I know that for a fact that they'll have all these notes, and they're gonna ask me all these questions, and I'm gonna say to them, "Listen, you need to face your fears. You should have called in and talked with Barbara when she was on." <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? If, if you want, if you want to, even I know the show is gonna end in, in a few minutes, but even if you want to call me with them, feel free to call me anytime. Good. That'll be that. Now it's one one particular young lady that I spoke with, and she's crazy about Keisha Cole, and she's crazy about a lot of the other singers that are out there. And and she said something to me. She said that when she sees them sing, it relaxes her because it's almost as if she becomes that person. Mm-hmm. And she said she really believes that that's what she's going to do. And I said, well, you know what, that's key for you because you have to see it first and you have to believe that you can do that. And once you're able to hold on to that and not let anybody else on the outside make you lose that, that thought or make you lose your, your faith in what it is that you want to be, then, you know, you, you're destined to be that if you hold on to it. Yeah. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. And it sounds like that's what you've done with the doors closing in your face. But you know what? I'm glad you didn't take it um, too personal because every great, artists, every great actor, every great whatever, mm-hmm. all of them had doors closed in their face. So it's not a black or white thing. It's just a thing that we have to face. And you know what I always said? It's just one person's opinion over somebody else's. You know, I'm sure uh, there were a lot of great actresses and actors and singers and writers and everybody else who had doors closed and, you know, have... Mm-hmm. You know, people tell them they weren't good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not small enough, big enough, thin, you know, thin enough, you know. And so though all those different things, those were just somebody else's opinion. If you believe, you know, I, I've heard this, you know, I think, I can't remember exactly who said this, but it's but the saying is, if you believe, you can achieve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was that Jesse Jackson? I don't know. I think it was Jeff. But Barbara, I think you were going to say something. What were you going to say? No, I, w- I was saying that I'm I'm still growing, and I every day I have a door closed in my face. Wow. So it's a, it's a, it's a, at this point where I am right now in my life, I'm still growing, and I'm still not stopping that train. Because even at the point of my life where I am, I still ha- I've done a lot, I've struggled a lot, I've learned many languages. I, I haven't even done the half of what I have to do. And by having some doors closed in my face in the past, probably there's there probably some doors closed for me to keep going and, and so I can really, really get to my 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 the object where I need to be, the place place where I need to be. So I'm still whatever door closes in my face, really I'm just gonna go through the window. Wow. So it's still it's still happening, but I'm just keeping my face. You know, Barbara, I wanted to ask you, um, have you ever considered going out and talking to people about your experiences as a model, as an entertainer? You know, I thought about that as soon as we started this interview. You all made me think about that. You all made me get that idea. And <laughs> it's for real. Good. As soon Good. as the interview started and you all started talking and then you started talking to me and I was like, and I heard, uh, Greg, I don't remember exactly what you said, but I was like, you know what, that's a good idea. Maybe I can go to some of these high schools, these middle schools, and go and, and, and speak around here in Miami. And so that you all gave me that idea. And it's funny that you just asked me that, Brian, because I was thinking about that, you know. You know, and, and the reason I ask you that is because I can hear the passion in your voice. Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah. See, I you can hear the passion you in your voice. And that's that's something I was going to ask you probably about. 20 minutes ago, and I said, I'm going to wait to the end of the show, and I'm going to ask him. <laughs> you know, because the thing about it, that I and I tell a lot of people, you know, when your passion comes out, mm-hmm. people who need to hear it will know it. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're, pat, when, when you're doing something to help somebody, when you're doing something that serves somebody, and it's your passion, you know, you can serve the greater good. 
then you're working in your purpose. Mm. And I believe, yeah. And I believe that's something that 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 maybe you didn't realize beforehand. Yeah. But I think it's like what Greg said earlier during the show. It, it's something that you know you're going to say, "Wow, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe you know that." We yeah, and I thought about that too, and I th- and I said, "Well, you, there you go. You see that? In fact, because I at, at the beginning of the show, as soon as you all started talking, and then you brought me in, and because Greg Greg was saying that it's good to have someone to give the young 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 teenagers uh, a message and, and I started thinking, wow, well you know what? I think that's a that's a good idea. There's a lot of high schools and middle schools here in Miami. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should go on and talk to you <laughs> talk to kids like so you're like right. Miami you're right, right? Largest school system in the country. <laughs> I believe and I believe Broward County is the fifth largest. Wow. So yeah. yeah. They need they need to hear from me. They need to hear from someone I got a lot of work to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? They need to hear from somebody like you to say, I've been there, I know what it's like, and you're being real with them. That's what these kids, they want to hear somebody be real with them. Don't sugarcoat anything with them. They and you know, Greg, I want, there's something yeah. I want to add to that, too. Yeah. The fact that you come from a very large family of siblings, yeah. that will speak volumes to, especially a lot of the inner city youth that have multiple, you know, people in it, you know, siblings and so forth. Yeah, because I, I can relate. I have two brothers and two sisters. You know, and my mother had eleven brothers and sisters. My father had ten brothers and sisters. You know, and so, well, actually nine brothers and sisters. You know, and so, they both came from large families, and so we knew about having to struggle, having to get hand-me-downs that were already handed down. You know, and so the fact that you that you had to that you've been through that type of family that was large, you know, where, you know, you had the sibling rivalries and stuff like that, you can relate to those children who are going through those same types of emotions. And they'll come yeah. and relate to, you know, they'll be able to pick up. Because the one thing I know about kids from dealing with them so much is they can smell a rat. Yeah. And if you're not sincere, they know it right away. And you'll never, you'll never get them to open up to you if they figure out that you aren't sincere. Mm-hmm. That's true. I met this comedian one time. He said his uh, his, his most difficult audience is, is, is uh, our kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's something that you mentioned that because um, I'm also writing a book about about my life and about living with eleven kids, uh, uh, going to Europe and what it. The person that I've become today, so I'm writing a book about uh, about my life, basically. Mm-hmm. And and um, another thing that I'm doing, I, I have a project because I forgot about this earlier when you asked me what I was doing. I have a project that I'm working on called the, Re- the Renaissance. It, I ha- it hasn't been established yet, but it's to help the inner city kids with that want to get into show business, that have talent and that want to get into show business here in Miami. Wow. So I'm working on that project too. Tell and there's so many read. other things. Donald Passman's book. Anything from Donald Passman, read it. <laughs> I'm writing it down right now. <laughs> I read that book when I first got in the music industry, and it taught me so. It taught me that I was in a really bad deal. <laughs> oh, well, what's the, yeah. what's the name of the book? It's um, Donald Passman: How to Make It in the Music Business. No, everything okay. you need to know about the music business. But he has several books out, and I'm sure there's been plenty of revisions. Mm-hmm. But Donald Passman, excellent entertainment book, a book about I, entertainment. We got about I, I, just under two minutes left. Uh, would okay. you give out your contact information again? Absolutely. W, you all can uh, um, find me at my website, which is www.barbaraevans.com, and also at MySpace, uh, www.myspace.com forward slash the real Barbara Evans. And you can also look at my website with the vocalist, which is www.cool-live.com. So hit me up on my face because I know you all have an account out there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. I want to close by saying this. When doors are shut in your face, windows are opened. 
That was something that Barbara Evans said. Yes. And just like Barbara did, you can spread your wings and let the eagle from within fly. And pretty soon you'll begin to soar. With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you, as always, for listening to us. And come and join us soon. We'll be back on the air on Monday. Come and join us, too. Thank you, and God bless. Thank you. Thank you. Good night, everybody. Miss Evans?